This is the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenti. And each week, we will go on a journey, a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the very best you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more opportunities and win more deals. Welcome to the 199th episode of the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you have joined us for what will be now. I'm not going to say it. I usually say for another incredible episode, but I'll tell you why I won't say it because this week I received a message from one of our longtime listeners who is also my mate, Brian, who said, hey, is this episode another incredible episode? (laughs) Well, yes. The reason why I loved saying that statement because you know what? I started this podcast and as I get to the the 200th episode, which I'm, I'm trying to think about, you know, what will we have in store for the 200th episode? But you know, when I started the podcast, there was a couple of reasons why I started this particular podcast. Obviously, the main one was I really wanted to serve the sales community. I wanted to serve people that were looking to grow, serve people that were looking to be the best they could be and in, in the sales and marketing realm, right? That was my primary objective. But what I learned through the process was man, the, the actual the content that I was consuming and being able to talk to authors was, was amazing. It was making me a much better sales professional. And I love it because I talk to someone like, man, this is incredible content. I can use this immediately. So that's why I used that particular statement. But now that Brian's brought it up and shared this with me, I'm now conscious of saying that every single week. So I'm going to change my intro. And Brian, I know you're listening. So when you listen to this, you better send me a WhatsApp like you did last week and tell me, hey, I heard it. But I'm going to change my intro just for you. But hey, I want to say just before we get started in today's episode, I want to say thanks very much for showing up. Um, if as a long time list for a long time listeners, just want to say thank you. I'm really grateful for you um, for showing up and encouraging me to continue down this path of producing this content. And if you're a new listener, welcome. We hope you take away some value. We hope you you learn something that you can apply immediately to help you on your path on being the best you can be. So this week. We've got a pretty cool episode coming up. Um, it's a practitioner type episode. We're talking to someone that's in the seat. They're running a sales team um, and they're going to share some of the concepts that they use um, and sa- share their thinking about how to leverage your strengths versus leverage your weaknesses. And, and that's why I'm really keen to share this episode with you because with everything going on, with the economy sort of tightening up, more job layoff announcements have occurred. The deals are slowing down. A lot of the people that I, I, I coach are sort of sharing that, hey, you know what, things are getting a bit harder. Um, it's important that we become really disciplined and selfish with where we spend our time, right? Because once we use it, it's gone. And we want to make sure we're maximizing our selling time. And there's some interesting data that showed on average, salespeople spend about 32% of their time actually selling. And if you think about it, it's not enough. So we've got to get we've got to get more efficient. We've got to get more effective, and we've got to find ways to produce more in the limited time that we have, given we're, we're so busy doing a whole range of other things when it comes to selling in the modern day sales world. Salespeople often hate their CRM 
Why? Because they are hard to use, difficult to customize and expensive to maintain. This means leads and opportunities don't get updated. Things get missed and sales can suffer. Insightly is the modern CRM that teams love. Easy to use, flexible enough to support your unique needs and scales with you as you grow. This helps you sell smarter, grow faster and build lasting customer relationships. Insightly is trusted by more than a million users worldwide. For more information, visit insightly.com forward slash get insightly. What I love about this episode with with Rachel Fox, um, and Rachel will share a bit about her story in a moment, but what I love about the story, she talks about, hey, these are the things I'm really good at. These are some things I'm not so good at. And what she's been able to do is leverage off what she's really good at and allow her to build a system and look at tech tools to help facilitate the things she's not so good at. So think about this in your own role. Think about this in what you're doing right now, right? There's all this chat about chat GPT and AI and salespeople can lose their jobs and blah, 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 blah. But you know what? We are, we are so far away from the time where salespeople will be made redundant because of technology. But what you do need to fear, if you're not embracing the tools, if you're not embracing some of the some of the items that can help you be better, then you're not allowing yourself the best opportunity to be successful. And you will become, you know, there is risk that you'll create of being made redundant if you're not leveraging the systems and the tools and the things that can make you better at your job. So this is a great opportunity for you to really think about, hey, what are the things that I'm really good at in my job? What are the things that I'm not so good at? What do I have to get good at? And that's an important question to ask yourself to then work on. But then what are some things that I could maybe utilize others or systems to help turn a weakness into a strength, right? So looking forward to sharing this episode with you. Um, now, if you haven't already uh, checked out Growth Forum and jumped into, into the community, there are incredible sessions happening every single week. Um, we just had Craig Ballantyne this week to talk about the perfect day formula. That was um, Victor Antonio moderated that session. Um, last week was about personal brand where Daryl Prale interviewed Samantha Dieback, who is a PR expert and talked about sort of strategies that you can use to, to grow your brand. Um, and there's sessions happening every single week. Plus there's courses in there and there's a whole lot of content um, that you can get access to. So if you haven't got access to already, jump in the show notes, click the link, um, it's free to sign up, go check it out, introduce yourself. We'd love to see you there. Also, next week, we have our big 200th episode, which is really exciting. It's taken us a long time to get here and we've interviewed great guests. We've flown around the world to interview some of the guests for this podcast. So I haven't got the plan yet. I'm still formalizing it as we speak, but we're going to do something different. So keep an eye out for that. I will share it on LinkedIn before we go live. But until then, check this podcast out. Listen to Rachel, hear what she's got to say, and let me know. Let me know what you think. Send me a note, hopefully in Growth Forum or across LinkedIn. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And it's really great to see that um, we started engaging or I started engaging with your content first, your, your videos caught my attention. Um, and then, yeah, I, I thought, you know what, 
you're actually sharing some really good content. Uh, so it's great to see the world of social actually working and connect people from different sides of the world. So thanks for coming on our show. Yeah, thanks. I'm always glad to know that people are watching. You know, you make these kind of in the dark of the night after the kids go to bed and I'm like, is this ridiculous? Is this? Is anybody going to listen to this? Um, but I've had really great uh, reception on the videos and people have asked for more. So now I have to go back to uh, content creation and really think about what else can I do now that people... Seem to, it seems to resonate. Well, it's definitely working. Uh, like I said, it's caught Thanks. my attention and some of your videos have made me really stop and think. So, you know, in a busy feed, it's great to see that, uh, you know, you're, what you're putting out there is working. But I'm really keen to for today's discussion because I was checking out your profile, doing a bit of research before today's episode, and I noticed that you don't have a traditional sort of <laughs> – sales uh, career, so to speak. Um, mm. You came from a, a science background. So first of all, um, can you just share with us, how did you start in the world of selling given that you started in the world of science? Yeah, I did start in the world of science. I have a biology degree. Um, I actually went to uni in Australia for a good part of that. Um, and I wanted to go into entomology. I really love insects and bugs. I still do. And so I was very happy to go to uni in Australia and play field hockey field hockey and rugby around. And then um, I kind of graduated with a biology degree. Um, I was back in the States and um, I, I, you know, did what people do and data entries kind of stuff, like menial things that are coming out of college. And I went to work for um, a chemistry, like an organic chemistry lab. And I was doing a lot of like entry stuff and yeah. labeling of, you know, samples and that sort of thing. Then my brother kind of called me and he was starting an environmental consulting company and he was like, hey, I really need you to come down here and um, I'm doing like wetland delineations and all that kind of stuff. I need you to like speciate all these trees. I'm like, I took botany in Australia. Like there's no eucalyptus trees. Over. I don't know what this is. And he's like, yeah, but you can figure it out. You know how to use the taxonomic IDs and, and ID, the wetland species from the upland species and all these other things that I needed. So I said, that's great. And I did environmental consulting for a couple of years when I got out of school, but ultimately felt like I was always going to be the boss's little sister and was really looking for something to make my own. Yeah. And I just happened into a career fair where I met some people from the insurance world. And um, I thought it really piqued my curiosity because at this point I was kind of planning on, I was engaged and I was planning a wedding. And I knew that at some point when I had kids, I wanted to be there for them. And I didn't I wanted to have the luxury to to be as home as often as I wanted to be and still have an income. So learning about insurance sales was really eye-opening for me because I had no concept about like residual and renewal commissions and, yep. and how all of this gets paid and that there's this whole industry where people continue to get paid on sales that they had made, you know, in prior years. And I felt like that really unlocked the door for my future planning for things that I wanted to accomplish later in life, I felt like, wow, I could really get into this. I could plant seeds now that will grow later and become more productive and fruitful for me in future years when I'm not doing as much. Um, and so, yeah, I went to work for um, a, an insurance company over here called Aflac. And it's a lot of outbound. It's a lot of cold call at that point. Um, I didn't always love the cold part of it. And so I started to just recruit people who could cold call. And then yeah. my calendar became filled up with appointments. So I became known as a recruiter with Aflac, but we were still all 1099s. We were still 100% commission. Yeah, I really liked the flexibility of that and that if there was a month I needed more money, we could just hustle a little bit more. But if there was a month <laughs> when we had a couple incentive trips happening, we could take it easy. Yeah. So I love that flexibility of it. Well, what a story. So from biology to insects or in insects yeah. to environmental, then into insurance and now into an entirely new 
sort of market segment that is an emerging market. Um, yes. We'd love to sort of get your insight on this. <laughs> what are some of the things that you learned in, in, your, in your science degree that you've been successfully able to apply into your sales role? Uh, ultimately that it's a numbers game. You know, you think about all of the, the, you know, just cellular processes and things that happen in our body on a day-to-day basis. And I was always really into, um, into that and just understanding how many things have to go right for things to function the way that it's supposed to look. Like I think on social media, we see that a lot. We see a lot of people talking about the numbers and the gains they're getting. And we don't always see the daily minutia of structure and system and processes that kind of went into the creation of this machine that you see today. A lot of times we're only seeing the results and we don't see the hustle behind the building of all of that. Um, And so much of science is just routine and it's over and over and over again. And it's systematic production of a very monotonous process that creates something magical if you continue it. Well, that's a pretty cool response. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> um, and, and now you're working in a startup. Um, yeah. You're, it's, it's investor-led. You're growing a uh, completely yep. new segment. Yep. Um, t- tell us a little bit about, you know, how you've sort of, how you've been able to adapt, you know, working in that insurance space you know, building a, a team of uh, people that have been booking appointments and now having to transition where you're having to start all over again and learn completely new skills. Yeah. I mean, I spent a long time in insurance. I was there for, you know, a good 15 years or so. I, I thought that it was just going to be a, a stopping point on my career. Um, and I thought that I'd have kids really quickly and that I could just move right along. But, you know, we were stuck in infertility land for a good decade or so. So I really thrust myself into my career and, um, you know, worked the way up in Aflac, which was really powerful for me because I, I got to learn so much more than I ever thought that I would, um, yeah. given that I was not really great at setting appointments. But I loved that concept of like, even though you're not good at this one part of the sales process, you can still contribute and be really successful in other parts of the sales process. We just have yep. to figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are and really learn how to play to them and be part of a team. That's why we work on a team, right? Everybody yep. has different strengths and weaknesses. So, um, you know, not trying to cover up the weaknesses and pretending to be somebody that you're not, but really embracing mm. and being like, no, I'm actually really terrible at this. Can, <laughs> can I do something else? Um, and then again, you figure out what you're good at, how you can contribute, how, how you can be a team player and lean on other people other players, right? So I feel like I I always love team sports. And I think there's, you know, you're never going to have position discipline if you don't trust your teammates around you that they're going to be able to do their job successfully. So I think it's really important to just surround yourself with people who do things that you don't do a lot better. Um, And that that makes the whole team stronger. So I was with Aflac for a long time. And then I finally got to have my kids and I took some time off to homeschool them and be with them and do all the things when they were little. And then I went to be a health broker, which introduced me to a whole nother side of the business. Still, you know, working with HR, still working with businesses, still B2B sale in benefits, but really just trying to come at it from a more holistic standpoint and seeing the puzzle pieces and how they fit together and what the different needs are, really understanding the different needs and not just like, oh, whatever your problem is, here's my one solution. It's always going to be the same, (laughs) right? It's like, now we can actually customize some things and figure out what's going to actually be more beneficial for you. But Once this startup opportunity came to me, and it's again, a little bit more on the financial side, it's not so much on the insurance side, it's still definitely an employee benefit. So it was still in my wheelhouse where my 20 years in employee benefits and in insurance were really vital and applicable here. But it was still something new. And I was 
um, energized by that opportunity. I really believed in the mission of what we're doing. Yeah. And I was excited to be involved in something that I felt like, man, this cause this has legs. Like we're, yeah. we're crafting the market. We're working with federal legislators to really change things at a systems level for many of the millions and millions of paycheck to paycheck frontline workers. Because I think so many higher up, like higher wealthy paid people are participating in 401ks and HSAs and a lot of programs that are maximizing employer dollars where the paycheck to paycheck workers are not always the first in line to, oh, let me put money away for 30 years from now when I can't put gas in my car today. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's really about listening again to what is our systemic problem and how can we address it and meet them where they are. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're in a you're in a role where you're you're making a real impact and I can I can see and I can feel your energy <laughs> from it, especially in your content. I just want to go back a step, right? Because you did mention you 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 didn't necessarily like from a team perspective you didn't necessarily enjoy the cold calling aspect right. of the appointment setting right? right um but now you're in your in this new new world um you're building your team yep how have you gone prospecting in this new role because obviously you're managing a team but you're also carrying your own quota sure. um yeah how have you actually delivered on a on a specific task that as you mentioned earlier was not a strength yeah and um again it's one of those things where once you realize what you're good at what you're not good at like figure out how to be valuable so i realized i really did not love cold calling it was not a strength of mine um and so all the more reason that we need to find people who are really motivated like they're i love following the sdr content on linkedin and those guys are just so inspiring just like their mentality and their mindset on things it's just like man i wish i had that um (laughs) And it's really great to have like SDRs who are super motivated to crank out some calls and find it as a challenge. And there's some really awesome tools out there. You know, like I think Orem's really cool where you can do yeah. this parallel dialer thing. There's so many things out there that are just changing the game of how that happens. Mm-hmm. So we definitely have a, a great SDR and um, that's something that's important. I found that we were scheduling a lot more appointments from um, replies to our cold email sequences. And so yeah. I really enjoy writing cold email sequences and um, kind of how that lands with different personas and spinning yeah. those up so that, you know, some are money, money centric if we're talking to CFOs or CEOs, some are more people centric if we're focusing more on HR leaders or DEI officers or health equity officers. So really understanding what motivates them. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is you might, you don't like the cold calling aspect yeah. and you've built, you've built um, the function within your team to do the calling, but you enjoy the actual cold email, writing the emails to the different personas and you're getting success from that. Yeah. And we've had lots of really good success on that. I like, um, you know, all the other outreach that we're doing, whether it's from newsletters, I'm obviously yeah. involved in our social outreach and we're, we're a startup. So we're really lean on budget and we're trying to find yeah. things that make an impact and trying to get in front of as many eyeballs as we can. So LinkedIn's really valuable on that. So, you know, from our company page on the Sunny Day Fund, we have, you know, company content that goes out, but, um, I take my position pretty seriously in biz dev and, um, I'm, I try to be pretty shiny on LinkedIn and get a couple eyeballs for us <laughs> as well. And again, I can have a little bit more, I can be a little bit more whimsy with my own brand than I can be with yeah. the company brand. So I put all my Lego videos and stuff like that out there on <laughs> my own personal thing, um, as opposed to our sunny day fund page. But I think it's all done a lot to generate a lot of electricity and excitement and energy and all the things we're looking for. Um, which I think goes into feed into 
you know, all these places that we're speaking and we're getting speaking engagements. And so a lot of people are paying attention to us from things like that. And all of that's driving inbound traffic, right? And then we're thinking about our marketing campaigns. Um, And so all of that, again, from a biz dev standpoint, this is me looking at things a lot higher up. And again, from a more holistic standpoint, how do all these pieces of the puzzle, again, fit into each other so that we can be a really cohesive team all doing kind of different things, but towards the same goal. Yeah, I love that. And so obviously in your role now, you have more of a macro view. Right. Where you're trying to leverage multiple different campaigns to drive the volume of opportunities that you need to Correct. to keep your team sort of busy and and, and converting. Hey, I'd love to just ask, um, you mentioned that you didn't enjoy the cold call, right? And I think we've, we've noticed in the last few months a huge drop off in 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 numbers tech companies laying off you know people there's been a lot yeah. of um, redundancies or people losing their roles um and a lot of conversations um occurring around account executives now not being so reliant on an SDR and having to um self generate more pipeline right yep. um i have a view on this i believe that <laughs> even if you've got an SDR team you should always be self-generating pipe if you're an AE. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always done it myself. Um, but if somebody's listening to this and they're like, hey, I resonate with you, you know, there's parts of the sales process I really execute well. I'm really great, great, at, great at running the discovery and bringing it to close. But now they've been told, hey, given the changes in our, you know, the, the economic environment, our operating model, the GTM's changing a little bit, our go-to-market mm-hmm. model needs to change. You need to self-generate more. And they're not necessarily keen on cold calling. What advice can you give them so so that they can embrace and take a growth mindset to that task and develop the skills to cold call? Yeah. And I think that, again, under those circumstances where you're trying to get more from less, right? You're trying to kind of squeeze Mm -hmm. blood from a stone because you have less resources and we still need the same amount of results. That's what we're asking for. I think it's really important to, again, look at your efficiency and your tools and how are you maximizing them the best. So like we happen to use HubSpot. And um, so I have a lot of these cold email sequences go out in HubSpot and you're really able to track a lot of awesome data in there. And I can always go in there and see from my emails who's opened them, who's opened Mm -hmm. them multiple times, which person opened this email five times versus this other one one time. This topic was clearly more important to them who's clicked on things. So that when again, I'm making those calls, I'm really only calling people who have engaged in my content. I'm really only making those cold calls to people who have somehow interacted with my content because I can't call every single person. So I'm going to narrow it down because I'm only one person, right? Right. So if I'm going to make some calls, I'm going to make my calls where I think that it's a warmest lead. So I'm going to start with my high openers. I'm going to start with my clicks. And, and work backwards from there. Start with people who are opening, engaging in my newsletters. Start with people who have actually accepted my invites on LinkedIn and have been engaging with my content there. Yeah. So instead of just like going down my task list, I'm going to try to prioritize based on who I think is a better place to spend my time. And obviously, I'm with each call, I'm trying to pull up their LinkedIn profile. I'm trying to learn more about yeah. their company. I'm trying to understand what's going on so that I have something oh, it looks like you guys just did this latest initiative. I'd love for you to tell me yeah. about it. I want to be able to engage in a little show me that you know me so that they're not yep. just a number. Um, and again, I can see which part of my messages have resonated more to them and that's a natural place to start a conversation. Yeah, awesome. I, I love what you're sharing. So, um, And I just want to confirm it, right? Because I think you've shared some really good tactics there. 
is to alleviate the sort of um, the issue of cold calling and because you don't have an, an endless amount of time, right. you're strategically engaging with people that you know have or showing some form of intent um, through email engagement or clicks or social right. content and then you're using that plus a little bit of research as a mechanism to start the conversation. Yeah, correct, because I think that that can lead to a better conversation and a better use of our time um, instead of just a spray and pray approach. I really want to be strategic yeah. with my time if I've got less time to give because I'm only one person yeah. instead of three people now. So if my team has gotten reduced, I really have to make sure that I'm leaning on my tools a lot more and really understanding the tools. I mean, HubSpot mm. especially, I mean, they all do different CRMs, have different workflows and, and ways yeah. that you can automate certain actions to trigger a task for you. So you really want to try to view that as another part of your sales team, another person on your sales team. Yeah. It's something else that's creating tasks for you and giving you insight as to where your next appointment's going to be. Yeah, it's just really good advice. So to help you become more efficient, you're really leveraging the tools available to you right? so that you can, you can do more with less. Yeah, and I think it's too important for us to, as salespeople, I'm sure a lot of people are doing this anyway, but to really have open lines of communication with our customer success t- side, I think that we can get a yeah. lot more referrals from that as they're engaging with actual users on a daily basis. Um, yeah. Most companies grow their own business through word of mouth. We shouldn't be afraid to ask for that, um, <laughs> yeah. especially and on the product side. Like, I mean, we're we're a SaaS company, so we have a lot of computer guys, and it's important to just really understand. You know, I can com- convey back to them, hey, we had this feedback from a mm. from a prospect or from a, from a customer, and to really just have a holistic approach to this where it's like we really want to deliver on what people are asking so we have to be able to work together as a team even i feel like everybody's on the sales team even if you're not on the sales team right (laughs) like as a startup everybody that works for me will still have a job in a year if i can do mine well really really well now um so no pressure or anything but it's everybody's invested (laughs) in the sales team like this if every if if a company's not making sales nobody's going to have a job so everybody has to be there to support the sales team and, and whatever they can so when I call, like I need you to talk. <laughs> yeah, and you really are leading from the front, right? So you're yeah. you're not you haven't just got a macro role, but you're you're actually leading your team. You're out there, and you're also delivering on 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 sales, which is which is awesome. Um, I, I did uh, pick up that you mentioned that your sequences that you're creating. I'd love to talk a bit about it. I'd love to sure. talk a bit about how do you structure your sequence, um, and you know what are the steps that you take before building a sequence and, and sending it out? So usually ours is um, based on industry because I really want to put industry-specific content in there. So I really want to yep. have a pulse on a specific industry. You know, has healthcare been really struggling with retention? Or, you know, has the restaurant industry really been seeing a whole lot of this specific problem? So I'm going to create a, a sequence around an industry that I'm familiar with that I think would resonate. So with our messaging, I know that I'm looking for clients, I'm looking for companies that have you know, roughly between 300 and 5,000 employees. That's kind of our sweet spot um, yeah. for what we're looking for on you know, the payroll deducted emergency savings, which is what we do. Um, and so I'm going to have a you know targets in there that I think this message would resonate with. And that's either based yeah. on you know, maybe they have, I've looked at the form 5500s and I see that they've got a lot of existing 401k loans and it's like, there's a problem that we can solve there. Or I just know that there's a a big segment of their workforce that's probably on the low to moderate income side where they're likely more paycheck to paycheck where unlocking tools to get them away from debt solutions and towards saving solutions that that message would resonate. So when I go to build a sequence, I know what industry I'm targeting and then I usually sub that out into Persona. 
So I'll have a certain industry. And then within that industry, I'll might maybe have two different sequences. One that's really more money-centric, that's more engaged with the CEO and the CFO. And then I'll have another one that's more people-centric, that's really more targeted towards HR, people leaders, mm-hmm. um, DEI officers, health equity officers, because um, the message is slightly different. But in there, I'm going to be able to reference you know, industry specific articles where, where it's talking about this specific problem that we can solve. So it's again, third party content that I'm putting in there. Um, and then just making sure that each of them are really short and sweet, right? I love following the lavender guys. Like I think the way (laughs) they're crafting emails is genius. And as somebody who gets hundreds of emails a day, I get it like short and sweet. Don't use big words on me. I'm only going to read you the second sentence. So I love doing things like that where we can just be creative. Again, we can engage in a conversation that has more content later, but in the initial one, I need it to be short and sweet. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so I, I, I want to break this down because I think, again, you've shared some a really good structure there. So you refine your target audience by ICP yep. or by ideal customer profile, really get very segmented with your industry. Yep. Um, and then you are tailoring the message per persona. So whether it's a CFO or HR, Yep. And then depending on the persona, you then will tailor the driver around what would motivate them to take action and then you're setting. And, and how does your sequence look like? Is it a is it a two-step email, three-step, four-step? Like uh, share how it looks over what, you know, duration. I mean, I'm usually doing uh, a, an email sequence that's heavy on email. So it's usually, I mean, anywhere between seven to ten emails in that wow. sequence. Each one is going to touch on a slightly different topic, right? So yeah. maybe the first one talks about like their their 401k leakage and like how are we going to stop the bleeding? And then another one we talk about retention strategies. And then another one we talk about building financial security within the workforce. And then so they're they're all about the same thing, but again, I'm top I'm I'm separating it out by topic so that it's a really concise message that I'm sending with just these three or four sentences. Yeah. I will have a task in there a LinkedIn task on there to follow them on LinkedIn. If I'm a third contact with them, I'll just follow yep. them. If if I have a connection in common, I'm going to ask for the connect. Um, mm. And so that again, that can help. To, that's another way that we can touch them, right? It's another way that we're going to appear in front yep. of them. Not everybody's active on LinkedIn. You know, a lot of times you go there and you can see this person hasn't posted anything for 90 days, but that doesn't mean that they're not looking. It just means they're not posting, right? Absolutely. So I'm always going to ask for the connect. I'm not going to pause the sequence and wait for that. I'm going to have the sequence continue on, but I'm going to have that be a step in there. Um, And then my call task, I don't trigger a call task in that because again, we're really lean with with the number of hours that we can call. So I'm just going to have calls to high openers and people who click on it. It's not just going to go to every single person in the sequence. It's only people that are engaging. So the call part of your cadence is triggered by how many emails they open. And and with your emails, right, where where do you see most of them engage? Is it the second? Is it the fifth? Is it the seventh? Like are you seeing any data from your sequences to show like what's what's the – What's the point of of that process where you're getting the best engagement? Yeah, we've done enough sequences with enough different email subject titles that we kind of know. Um, and again, it's based on persona, right? It's based on who yeah. we're speaking to, what matters to them and what they're likely to engage with. But I'm going to come out hard in the, in the beginning, right? I'm going to try to hit them with the things that I think are going to resonate the most. 
um, because it's going to be a drip campaign essentially from after that. So yeah. I'm really going to try to come out the gate. But each one I'm going to try... Because again, we're a new concept, right? So nobody's yeah. ever heard of this before. We're not a replacement sale. They don't have a line item in the budget for this. This is nothing they've ever heard of before. So it really has to drip on them a little bit for that this to sink in. So I'm yeah. trying to make my messages really short and sweet and just... Each time I'm trying to have them see me in it, right? They'll get a newsletter and then they'll get an email from us and then they'll see me on LinkedIn. And we're just trying to be ubiquitous, right? Yeah. Um, we're also campaigning with brokers. So we're working with benefit brokers and retirement record keepers and people that can make introductions and referrals as advisors into these companies. Um, so we're hoping that they'll they'll get hit from multiple angles until it's like, man, I really need to pay attention to what these people are talking about because they will not right. give up. Now, if somebody tells me to leave them alone, I'm going to leave them alone. But yeah. my job is to is to do cold outreach and um, find find the people who my message resonates with. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so you're also leveraging like third party influencers yeah. that talking to your target market so that they're getting a secondary message from somewhere else. Correct. So you're utilizing different channels. Now, that's really interesting. Okay. Um, and you're following the, some of the, 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 the structure and your emails, you're keeping them short. Um, you're following the lavender process, which we love the lavender process. Um, 50 to what is it? 50 words. Yeah. Um, 11 seconds. And I'm really paying attention to my ICPs on LinkedIn, right? I mean, a lot of them are not actively posting or engaging, but um, if, if they are, I'm all over it, you know, and yeah. I'm just going to try to be wherever they are. So not necessarily maybe on their posts, like I will like their posts and stuff, but I'm, I'm going to the places where they're posting. I'm going to the places where they're commenting. I'm going to the places where I yeah. see them liking, and I'm going to comment on those threads so that they, again, see me more organically and it's not so predatory. Mm. And it's just a little bit like, oh, that's, I've seen that name before. Where, <laughs> oh, that's that chick who keeps emailing me. So, um, yeah, I just want to just in a nice way start appearing everywhere. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> well, you've shared a lot of really good tactics here. So um, it's really good to see that you're using a multi-channel, like you're not just dependent on email only. You're you're leveraging social as well and uh, you're, you're also trying to use uh, influencers to engage your target market. Yep. Hey, we'd love to know, like, if you could go back, right, and and start your career all over again. I was only, I, the reason why I asked you, somebody asked me this last week, if you could go back and start your sales career again, mm. what advice would you give yourself? I think it took me a long time to realize that it's okay to not be good at the entire sales cycle, right? Okay. Like, because yeah. when you first are starts, you see all these superstars up on stage winning awards, and it's just like, man, I'm never gonna be that guy, right? It's like <laughs> learning how to drive a stick shift. It's like this is never gonna come natural to me. I'm gonna stall out on every hill for the rest of my life. But of course, that's not what happens. Eventually some of the parts become rote and you've done it so yep. much that it does become effortless. And so much of life and, and our lessons is just through doing, right? Like stop reading product brochures and stop like learning about all of this minutia. None of that matters if you don't have any clients, right? Like stop mm. getting in the weeds on different stuff that like just have a conversation with people. And and the, the whole key is top of funnel, right? Pipeline, it's a numbers game. Yep. Don't get hung up on one win. Don't get hung up on one loss. But it's okay to not be really great at every single part of the sales cycle. Figure out what you can contribute, what you're really good at, what are you like a dog with a bone on that nobody else is. Mm. And then just surround yourself with people who compliment you on that, right? Surround yourself with yeah. people who are really, really amazing at the stuff that you're terrible at. Mm. And that's what makes a good team. Like I'm not trying yeah. to clone other versions of myself. I'm trying to surround myself with people who are smarter and better than me all the time so that I'm constantly yeah. getting better, right? I mean... 
if you play a competitor that you're going to beat every single time, that's not going to make you better. You have to go against mm -hmm. people who are going to challenge you and get you out of your comfort zone and actually teach you things that you don't know. Um, and so for me, you know, I think when you're starting out, you just expect you want to be really good at everything and you just want to have those accolades and that praise. And it takes a while to just say, you know what? I am who I am. I have good things about me. I have bad things about me, but I'm done pretending to be somebody else. And I think it took me 20 years in this business to be like, I don't, I don't have to be really good at that. If you're good at that, that's yeah. awesome. Let's pair up because I'm terrible at that. And it took me a long time to yeah. be okay with saying, I don't have to be great at everything. No, I love that. I love that. You know, focus on, focus on what you can control. Yeah. Um, really identify your strengths and then build a really strong network around you so that they can elevate you and help you be the best you can be. So I think that's incredible advice, not just to give yourself back then, but even advice for us today, right? I think we constantly need reminding of that. So this has been really great. Hey, before I let you go, um, yeah. I want to make sure our listeners know where they can connect with you um, where is the best place for them to connect you? And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Yeah. So LinkedIn is my land. I live on LinkedIn a lot. <laughs> so find me on LinkedIn and that that's definitely where you'll find me. And we'll put my email and things on there too. Um, but I really like to to be on LinkedIn because I'm I'm a firm believer in in going there to support people, going in there to learn from people and going in there yep. to find your clients. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Um, and I just yeah. want to say thanks very much for coming on our podcast. Uh, I know that we went sort of a couple of different realms, spoke about your early career, spoke about some of your tactics and your strategies and what you didn't like about cold calling. Um, so I just want to appreciate you sharing your story um, and I'll make sure that we pop that in the show notes, your link so people can connect with you and find you. But thanks very much for coming on our podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a great time. I really appreciate it. <laughs>